630 Chad presents the Elks this week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game from the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. Cornelius can turn, pulls the ball away from the running back. Looks downfield, going deep with the arc, and oh my goodness! What a catch by Kenny Lawler! He was like Superman, stretching out to take that one out of the air. Cornelius now in trouble again. Can he get away? Yes, he does. Will he run? No, he's going to throw, and he's going to go deep downfield, and it is complete to the 20-yard line. Kenny Lawler's got another one. Cornelius is going deep. He's got Kenny Lawler. Oh my goodness, he's got another one. How does he keep doing machine tonight. Well, if you needed a bright spot from the 13th consecutive loss on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday night, Kenny Lawler was it. What a performance he had. Unfortunately, the Elks didn't take advantage of it. 25-18, they lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks Saturday. Uh, Lawler was my takeaway as a good thing from the game on Saturday night. There was a lot of things that need work, that's for sure. Those three catches, he made all incredible catches. Uh, part of a great night for him. He wasn't busy, but very productive. Three receptions, 146 yards. He went from eighth in receiving in the CFL to tied for second with uh, Gino Lewis of Montreal, 44 yards back of Dominic Rines of the BC Lions. Lawler has been the Elks' only consistent threat on offense this year. He's now got 56 receptions for 849 yards, five touchdowns, 18 second-down conversion catches, and three 100-yard games. He's been all that in a bag of chips for the Elks, and that's working with three different starting quarterbacks this year. Uh, Lawler's been the most consistent thing on a team that is right now drowning in inconsistency. 11 games in, they're 3-8. and eight, Still searching for that wire-to-wire -wire game. Still searching for that four-quarter performance. Still searching for a game where they play well offensively, defensively, and special teams from start to finish. Saturday night, ah, it was the second quarter. You saw it, 14 nothing. They were outscored. They got a great reception from Lawler, set him up for a field goal that would have made it, what, 20-6 to six going into the dressing room at halftime. Instead, that field goal gets blocked. Those three catches by Lawler, they ended up uh, getting a field goal, uh, a touchdown, uh, and uh, a blocked field goal. So they didn't really take advantage of uh, the great work by Lawler to get them into those good field positions. Uh, but, man, it's been inconsistency all season long, whether it's the first quarter, the fourth quarter, first half, second half, whatever it is, they cannot find the game that goes from start to finish. Head coach and GM Chris Jones talked with Dave Campbell and myself post-game about that on Saturday. I mean, again, it's a recurring theme. We, we haven't played four four quarters of football uh, all year long. We've, we've been fortunate to be able to play some halves on the road and, and uh, end up completing the task and ended up coming back and winning the games. And, uh, again, it's, uh, you know, it's just so frustrating because you know myself and this football team they want to win for the fans that are here and it's just like uh, everything that we can do to shoot ourselves in the foot we do put ourselves in such a big hole that we can't dig ourselves out of it in the second half and so uh, again I've got to coach it better I need to be more aggressive defensively uh, our guys need to execute where you can you know you feel like you can make your calls I mean so it's a hand-in-hand -hand type deal and and then uh, in every phase I mean we gave up too many players 
plays defensively. Uh, we gave up, a, you know, explosive punt return. Got a punt. We got a field goal blocked on the last play of the, of the half. I mean, there was just enough things to go around that, that uh, you know, it makes the, the hole too big to, to fill up in the second half. Can you talk about, can you pinpoint why it's happened this way? I, I don't know. From my angle, I think maybe injuries and, and the, the lineup changes you've had to make week to week. Does that play into it? And, and maybe your thought process, uh, process about how you get out of it and get a four-quarter game from everybody. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, it didn't it didn't help the, you know, a couple of guys that were out this this week offensively because it hurts continuity. There's no question about it. But, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we're professional football, so you have to go next man up mentality. We have to coach them. We have to have them ready to play. And so uh, it's not like uh, other people aren't facing some of the same things that we're facing. So uh, we've got seven ball games left. And, and like I told the players a minute ago is we've got to enjoy being around one another. We've just got to control what we can control, and that's go week to week, play as hard as we possibly can, have fun playing the game, and let's let's just try to one, take it one game at a time, worry about what we, we need to worry about, and that's us. You know, Chris, it just feels like the second quarter, the way your team played could be a promotional video of what not to do and kind of maybe a theme of your season because, you know, I could make an argument that three or four quarters, you actually, you actually played not too bad, and in the second half, you might have been the better team, but that second quarter it just felt like it was such a horrible hole with so many things that uh, that has happened that we have seen throughout the season that's been kind of a you know kind of a microcosm of what has happened I mean I, I do think you responded from adversity but it took you forever to kind of get all that you know get, kind of get back on your feet again yeah no I agree uh, wholeheartedly I mean our the second quarter has been our worst quarter all year long I mean like you said there's a laundry list of, of things of what not to do uh, in all three phases and it puts you in a hole and it, and it kills your any momentum that we've ever gotten in the second quarter has been usually stamped right out with uh, some type of negative play going into the half and just like just like this time we got a play and we got down there to kick a field goal and we get it blocked you know what I mean so we've just got to we've got to figure it out we've got to figure it out here at home and uh, the one thing about it is I feel like we got a pretty strong group mentally we just got to you know flush that one and, and go on to the next one you know, if you didn't have those big explosion plays on offense, it, it might have been a tough night, but it was kind of a strange night where it seemed like that those were the plays that were kind of available for Taylor Cornelius were the short passes and the and, and even him taking off or the intermediate stuff or the run game. It just seemed like the offense just just couldn't get anything going as far as sustained drives. Yeah, they, they played us in a lot of four-man rough zone, and they did a decent job of, uh, of gaming it up to, to eliminate him stepping up in the pocket and then uh, – uh, and then they jumped down quick enough on our check down throws to where we couldn't. It was a, it was kind of a catch and, catch and run situation, and it was a bang bang play with a tackle. And so, um, you know, and, and then, like I say, I mean, it's uh, they. You got to give them credit where credit's due. They did did what they needed to do, come in here and win. Uh, Chris, can you just talk about the the week coming up, longest week on the season, really? Because you don't play again until Monday. It's about nine or ten days from now. How are you approaching it with your team? Yeah, well, we've given them a day so off to get away from football, to get away from the coach and kind of get near and get well and, and get the treatment necessary to try to get back on our feet. And, um, and again, we're just not going to approach it negatively, and, um, and we just got to keep on working and, and doing the things that we know our successful programs do. Doing his best to stay positive. That's head coach and general manager Chris Jones on our postgame show on Saturday night after the Elks lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks 25-18. Uh, just ran out of time. Uh, man, they, they came back a game but ran out of time in this one, but that second quarter just 
killed them. Uh, they're still looking for that complete game. They had a pretty complete game in Calgary. First time they went there in week number three, they had the lead for, I think, almost 40 minutes of that game, but ended up losing it in the fourth quarter when they got outplayed. So, again, it comes down to the situation where they just haven't put together those four quarters of football, and they'll uh, continue to try and do that uh, this coming Monday in Calgary in the Labor Day Classic. Saturday was the 13th straight loss at home, already a franchise record, one loss away from tying the CFL record for consecutive home losses set by the Ottawa Rough Riders uh, way back when. All right, uh, next up, it's the Labor Day Classic. One week from today, the Elks will be in Calgary to play that uh, traditional game, a game the Elks won for the first time in a long time last year, but strangely enough, that game last year turned their season south because they won that game and then never won again until November and uh, had a miserable finish to the season that cost a lot of people their jobs moving forward. Uh, we'll uh, set up, uh, begin the setup of the week-long uh, journey to the BOA and the LDC when we come back to talk with Danny Austin, Stampeders beat writer for Post Media on the TETW on CHED. Back after this. More football talk on the Elks this week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks. 6.30, Chad. 7.45 on a Monday night. Uh, one week from tonight, the uh, Labor Day Classic will be over uh, for this year, and uh, we'll know the result as uh, we get set for the annual uh, tremendous atmosphere, tremendous game, and everybody always looks forward to it every year in Calgary. And, of course, the uh, rematch game will uh, follow in Edmonton uh, on Saturday of that same week on September 10th. That will be a 5 o'clock start, by the way, and uh, ticket information is uh, there for you at goelks.com. You can also head to Ticketmaster as well to get your tickets for that. But also, Tickets on sale already for uh, the uh, Elks annual dinner, which is coming back after a couple of years off due to COVID. Uh, it's going to be a little different this year, though. They're going to do it September 26th, and they're going to do it on the field at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, so the meal will be on the field. All the players will be there. It should be a great night. I know uh, we had uh, Victor Quee on our uh, pregame show on Saturday night, and uh, he was talking about uh, some of the plans he has for it. It sounds like uh, he's got a lot cooking for the Elks annual dinner, which makes a return on the 26th of September. Again, goelks.com uh, or Ticketmaster for ticket information for the Elks annual dinner. Saturday, uh, so that'll be on uh, Saturday, uh, September 10th for the game, which means it follows the Labor Day Classic on Monday of next week. And to talk a little bit about that in the Calgary Stampeders, we bring in Danny Austin, who is the uh, post-media uh, beat reporter for the Calgary Stampeders in Calgary. Hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm good, thanks. Uh, uh, first off, uh, I was looking at your uh, your Twitter account today. You, you've been out in the mountains a little bit? Yeah, you know what? This has been a pretty busy summer between all the uh, all the flame stuff and uh, Dan Peters, so it's been really nice kind of having this weekend off. I'm not going to lie. And it, was, it was time for me to uh, you know, try to work off some of the uh, – you know, some, some of the food and beer that I've sort of had over the last six weeks. So, yeah, I got out there and uh, feel like death right now, but, you know, it's good for me in the long term. <laughs> nice. I know. I know this is – it's a long week, and I know the, I don't know what the Stampeders are doing, but the Elks aren't going back to practice until Thursday. They'll have meetings and, and off-field workouts and stuff, but they're back on the field not until Thursday, so a chance for everybody who, who covers the team to get a couple of days off, which I'm going to do this week uh, as well. Okay, let's look ahead. I, pretty safe to assume Jake Mayer is the starting quarterback on Monday. Yeah, like that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's 100%, uh, barring injury, that is the plan that Jake Mayer will be starting. So I think that sort of, to be honest, I, I 
think that that was pretty much a guarantee once they moved him into the starters position for the game against Winnipeg last week. I, I do not think that the Stampeders want to be in a position where they're rotating quarterbacks based on you know one good or one bad performance. So, uh, in my opinion, sort of for the foreseeable future, I think Jake Mayer is, is likely the starting quarterback. And in his first start last week, he didn't get the win, but uh, he was impressive. I mean, he, he did pretty much what everybody expected. I mean, no shame in losing to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he got them close enough where they had a chance to win in the game. Yeah, the fourth quarter was pretty rough. I, I do think the Stamps, uh, their line began to break down just a little bit. And uh, to be honest, uh, the, fourth, the Stamps did not have a good fourth quarter. They could have won that game if they did. But otherwise, I mean, he threw for nearly 300 yards. At one point, I think he completed 15 straight passes. Uh, that's the thing with Drake is he's accurate. Uh, he's, he's composed. Uh, he probably, you know, he, him and Bo are very, very similar quarterbacks just right now. Um, you know, Bo's arm is, is I, I, I guess, We'd say it's been letting him down a little bit. So, yeah, Jake came in. He did pretty much what we saw last year. Uh, you know, he again, he's accurate. He throws the ball hard. He can connect on the deep passes. And, and that's what the Stampeders sort of have been missing a little bit. Um, you know, it's been those passes over 15 yards that kind of get you those explosive game-breaking plays. And, and, and Jake, for the most part, provided it. And as you said, I mean, the Bombers are a good team. I don't, I don't think you're losing any sleep losing to the Bombers. He started uh, the Labor Day game last year, uh, kind of the same situation, except it's a little different. I mean, there's more expected of him this time around. Last year, he was filling in for Bo uh, because he was injured. This year, it kind of feels like he's starting to take over for Bo. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that last year he came in and, and pretty much right off the bat, uh, you know, he got them their first one of the season against the Alouettes. And I think he, he lost the next two, but was generally pretty okay. Um, pretty good. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I thought he was going to be a starting quarterback somewhere this season. Uh, as it turns out, that's Calgary. Um, and yeah, I mean, I like it's hard to, to say for sure. Um, you know, I, I am someone who doesn't that against Bo Levi Mitchell, so I'm not going to say that we won't see him back on the field and won't see him winning games again this season, but um, I, I don't think that you make a decision as, as serious as, as benching Bo Levi Mitchell if you don't know that you have something and don't want to sort of move forward and think that it gives you a better chance to win. So for right now, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, Jake Mayer is the starting quarterback for the Calgary St. Peters. Yeah, you can't count Bo out, though, as you say. And, I mean, that's a pretty good safety net to have, too, to, to bring back a, an MOP and a Great Cup champ if you run into troubles with Jake Mayer. How's Bo taking this? Has he talk, I know he had the Instagram post up. Uh, has he talked to the media at all about the situation? We haven't had that opportunity. Obviously, it was sort of announced on Wednesday. We saw the Instagram post. You know, like, he's obviously disappointed. I, I, I'm not going to reveal too much but like I, I do think he's disappointed but you know people get the wrong idea about Bo and I think people really really see sort of the arrogant Bo and particularly if you're a rival it might drive you a little bit nuts but you know he's a really really hard working guy that's how you stay on top for that long uh, and to be honest like I, I think if you ever, listen to Dave Dickinson Bo's always been a guy who was you know willing to take coaching and I, I think that's sort of what what his approach is try to help this team win however he can and uh, yeah you're disappointed yeah you're you're probably got some questions but i don't think bo is just kind of giving up yeah if, if mayor does indeed do what everyone maybe expects and solidifies his spot as the starter in calgary would would bo play somewhere else do you think does he does he still want to keep playing as far as you know i i, I think so i think that's sort of been the plan i know that last year at the end of the season he did sort of speak about how he had some doubts about it uh his contract is up at the end of the year so that's going to be interesting i mean you know we all saw him on tsn during the great cup last year you know if, if there's a job on the panel that might be appeal to him but um i also know that bo is very interested in coaching uh, i know he's been deeply frustrated by these shoulder issues that have sort of plagued him the last couple of years not that that's what's been going on this year but uh truthfully i don't i, I don't know what his plan is for next season um 
I'm not sure whether this is the type of thing that motivates you to go prove people wrong or you sort of just accept, you know, father time passes up with all of us. I wish that I could give you a, a better answer there, but the truth is I don't know. Going to be a big issue, a uh, big storyline, I think, moving forward through the rest of this season and into the off season. obviously. We're talking with uh, Danny Austin, uh, post-media uh, Calgary beat reporter for the uh, Calgary Stampeders. Tell me about the Stampeders team, Danny. I mean, they're, they're what, 6-4. and four. Um, they're in the, They were in the race for first place. They, I guess, still could be technically, but those three losses to Winnipeg obviously put them behind the eight ball there. Uh, you throw those three games out for both them and Winnipeg, and, and they're right there with the Blue Bombers. How good is this? This team because I think no one really expects too much out of them right now. Yeah, I think that would be wrong. I, I mean, I, the Stamps have four losses. One of them came against the BC Lions, and that was a devastating loss. They had opened up a big lead, and they allowed the, the sort of Lions to get back into it. But realistically, with Nathan Workout, I mean, if he hadn't been in that game, the Bombers aren't getting back into it. So I think it's pretty comfortable to say that they're the second best team in the West right now. Um, yeah, they've had trouble getting over the hump against sort of the other elite, elite teams. But, you know, they lost by one point to the Lions a couple weeks ago, or I guess this weekend, um, they lost by two points, I believe, to, to the Bombers. Every game has been tight, so I think that they're right there. The truth is, injuries have caught up a little bit. Uh, the offense was not looking very good with Bo at the helm, which is obviously what prompted that thing, but the, the move. But I, I do... To me, I think that they're probably the second-best team in the league right now, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Um, and, and now, if Nathan Work was still playing for the Lions, I don't know that I'd be saying that. But, um, you know, we always say the season, you know, well, we don't, but lots of people say the season doesn't start to labor. I'm going to be very curious because I think this team has a schedule that could get them to 12 or 13 wins. Yeah, I, I think the the injury to Nathan Rourke changed the complexion of the BC Lions season, but it also has changed the complexion of the Calgary Stampeders season as well because now they got a chance to finish second and, and, and host a playoff game if indeed uh, the Lions uh, don't keep on the same pace, and I don't think anyone expects them to keep on the same pace they were on now that Nathan Rourke is out. Uh, what's the injury situation for the Stampeders? Uh, any any notables going to be out of the lineup uh, on Labor Day? Obviously a little, little soon to talk about it, but what's their situation? Um, offensively, I think that they're sort of guys are getting back. Um, Malik Henry and Kadeem Carey returned to the last game and were both pretty great. Kadeem Carey is so, so good. Um, defensively, luck, man, they are, they're in trouble. <laughs> like they're, they're really banged up. Jameer Thurman starting middle linebacker is gone. And then honestly, I mean, if you go back and look at the depth chart against the Bombers, Jonathan Moxie might be the only name you actually recognize. Um, it is a bunch of rookies and basically Jonathan Moxie, uh, who's playing instead of field corner, he's boundary corner. So that defensive backfield is in a tough way. They're still getting a lot of interceptions. I think they lead the league in interceptions, but they're also um, allowing more passing yards than I believe any other team. So um, this is a team you can throw against, but um, the defense is, is on and off looks good, and if they get some of those guys back, that defense could be pretty elite. But right now, man, are they banged up. I think the Elks might be hoping Malik Henry's not back. I know he returned last. He was out for a game but has returned. He's just ripped it up against Edmonton this year. He's ripped it up against a lot of teams this year. I mean, the thing with him is he's so fast, and, uh, you know, it, I don't think any of us expected Malik Henry. I'll be honest with you, I did not expect Malik Henry to sort of be the go-to number one receiver for the St. Peters. I thought that was going to be Reggie Barrett and Tamar Jordan. Hasn't even been close. Uh, Malik is just a guy who gets open, and then when he gets the ball, he, he tends to just be faster than the DBs so he can get those yards uh, after the catch. And, yeah, Malik Henry is, honestly, I mean, he's been missing a couple, he's missed a couple games, but he'd be top three in receiving yards if he had been healthy the whole year. So, yeah, uh, a serious weapon. 
Yeah, it reminds me of four or five years ago when Deveris uh, Daniels was doing the same thing, just ripping up the Elks every time uh, they played against Edmonton. <laughs> um, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan also play the Labor Day series. They've both announced sellouts for their two games, uh, the Labor Day game in uh, in Regina and then the Banjo Bowl in Winnipeg to follow. Uh, how's the attendance been in Calgary this year? And, and, and obviously, I think there's a different mood between the fans and the team in Calgary than there is in Edmonton. But what's the, what's the attendance situation been like? I mean, it's certainly been better than Edmonton, but it's been down. Um, I mean, I think that they've gotten to 25,000 once. In general, it's been sort of closer to 22,000, which is certainly, certainly, certainly way, way, way down from a couple years ago. Um, they, they've been pretty open. Um, a lot of fans just have not come back post-COVID, um, and that's that's a that's a problem. And uh, I, I think that they're working on it, but attendance has it down. I mean, this is the Labor Day Classic. The Labor Day Classic kind of exists particularly I think in Calgary is sort of a brand onto its own. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't expect many more than sort of maybe 31,000, which, you know, a couple years, five, six years ago, you, you expected a few thousand more than that. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, in my, this will be my 12th Labor Day game coming up. And uh, the one thing I've learned, it's always sunny in Calgary on Labor Day. It looks like that's going to be the case again. Uh, it's 27 degrees and sunny is the temperature uh, prediction for Monday. So looking forward to that. Danny Austin, appreciate your time tonight, man. We'll catch up to you next week in Calgary. Thanks. Thanks so much, buddy. See you soon. Cheers. All right. Uh, Danny Austin, Post Media, uh, Stampeders beat reporter in Calgary. Elks and Stampeders will play Labor Day. It's a 2.30 start this year. It's a 1 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Ched, uh, the rematch game back in Edmonton on the following Saturday, September 10th. That'll be a 5 o'clock start. Ticketmastergoelks.com for all your ticket information. Oh yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, don't forget the annual dinner. Going to be cool down on the field uh, with the players uh, eating and uh, hearing some great stories. So that'll be on September 26th. Again, goelks.com for more information. Thanks to Danny Austin, Post Media in Calgary for joining us tonight. Uh, studio producer was Kellen Kennedy. Thanks always to him as well for keeping us on track. My name's Morley Scott. That's the Elks this week. We'll talk to you later. Have a great night, everybody.